I appreciate Wes um, filling in last week. I, I kept telling him all week come, leading up to that that he was going to be the MVP uh, leading worship and uh, preaching. And I know he did. Man, I'm in a barrel up here. You're going to have to take down something because it's real live. Okay. So uh, anyway, I appreciate him doing that. And I heard several good comments. And the reason, I mean, there's two reasons I, I make anybody who preaches other than Pastor Samson. I didn't make him do it. But everybody else, I make them write out their uh, sermons. They need a transcript because they need something to go from. And especially if you know my friend Wes. Um, I did not want Wes ad-libbing. Um, that has happened before. And uh, and anyway, he did a great job. I, I read through the transcript and I know he made some changes. I'll be listening to that this week. But I knew, I knew something would go on. And sure enough, I'm back there this morning. I'm looking at the cards and uh, I turned one over and there's an animal on the back. And I thought, wow, somebody was bored. And then I turned another one over and there's an animal. And I get about the third one. I'm like, okay, I get it. He told him to draw an animal on the back just to kind of freak with me a little bit. You know, no, no telling what Wes talked about. So anyway, I, it, it was very entertaining. Got a, got a double humped camel, um, got all kinds of scenes, got cats and dogs. And, and uh, can't even tell you some of the things that the band wrote. Um, just to see if I'm paying attention. I mean, we're just, we're strange people around here. But anyway, um, thank you for, for supporting us. Thank you for supporting Wes last week. Um, while well, he preached and, and I appreciate you, uh, Wes doing that for us. Uh, it's not an easy thing to do to, to preach when you're, when you're not used to doing that. Um, and today I want to talk to you about your call in life. You have a call in life. You have a call from God. And it's your call whether you respond to God's call. And so if, if you can hear me today, how many of you can hear me today? You have a calling from God. Even if you're not in the family of God, God has put you on this planet for a reason. And, and He wants you to discover that purpose because when you do, there's no life like that. Um, it's a life that, that is kind of crazy at times. It's a life of sacrifice, but it's a life of fulfillment that God wants you to have. And so I want you to really think about your call from God today. If you're not a Christ follower, your first thing is to step into the family of God. And, and I'm not saying you have to do that today, but at least think about the possibilities of if there is a God and if you die without this God and if he's provided a way for you to get to heaven and you turn your back on that and you don't want to participate in his kingdom, then, then when you die, God will honor your request and you will live forever in a place called hell apart from that God who loves you. But if there is a God and if he has provided for a way for you to get to heaven and you accept what he has said and you follow him, then you can someday expect to be with him and all of the Christ followers who've gone before in a perfect place called heaven. And some of you are thinking, well, how can I go to a perfect place? Because I'm not perfect. You're exactly right. Either you have to pay for your own sins, or you have to go on behalf of someone who is perfect. There's one who is perfect. His name is Jesus Christ. He died in your place. And if you accept his gift of salvation, you get to get into heaven based on his perfection, not yours. When I was 17... Um, I thought there were three possibilities for my life. I mean, because 17-year-olds, we think we know it all. Right? Y'all remember. If you're a 17-year-old, I'm sorry. It's just reality. You think you know it all. Uh, and so I thought there were three possibilities for what I was going to do with my life. I, I was pretty decent at singing, and I'd been to some singing competitions, so I thought I might do something with singing. Uh, I loved baseball, and, and I was doing really well in baseball, so I thought I might pursue that. And then I was really good at math and science, and so they told me since I was really good at math and science that I should pursue a uh, career in engineering. 
And so I felt called of God to go to Baylor University and, and study engineering, which if, the joke that the reason that's so funny is because when I went to in 1982, when I went to uh, to Baylor, the engineering department was about 11 and a half people. I was the half. Um, that, you know, you don't go to Baylor at that time. You didn't go for engineering. And, and I discovered that very quickly. And, and I changed my major to church music because I thought I would do something in, in music, you know, and all this stuff. But anyway, when you think back, when I think back, I never considered at 17 that God had prepared me for a life of ministry. But now at 47, 30 years later, I can look back and I see, I can see it so clearly as I grew up, mom and dad took us to church every time the doors were open. And, and in every church we were in, there was one person, usually there were several, but there were two or three people who loved me and reached out to me and encouraged me and picked me up when I was down and didn't run away from me when I did really stupid stuff and I got in trouble and they loved me. And, and so when I became 17 and I was sitting at a, a church camp in Siloam Springs, Arkansas, and I felt God speak to my heart and say, I want you to do more with your life than, than what you've been doing, I, I began to think... I thought the call was, I want you to do um, what some of these other people have done in your life. Because, see, these people had loved me, and I was like, wow, this is really cool to have a place where you can go, and you can be yourself, and you can mess up, and people love you and encourage you, and they say, God's got better things for you. I love that, and I thought, man, I want to be one of those people. So God says, I want you to be one of those people, and then, then I was saying, God, I want to be one of those people. And so I, when I went back to college, or when I went to college a couple of years later, I just told God, whatever you want me to do, I will do. And, and it's just every place I've gone, it's been a series of events that have happened that I could not have orchestrated. I could not have controlled any of it. You know, this pastor calls me, goes, hey, man, you want to come try out to be our, our music leader? And so I go out there and I've become their music leader. And because there's nobody to lead the youth ministry, they said, hey, you want to be our youth pastor? I was 19. And, and so some of the kids in my youth group were 18. They're like, do you want to be our youth minister? I'm like, sure, I am a youth. But if you want to trust me with the youth group, I'll do that. And, and God has taken me on this crazy, crazy journey. And I can see it now. And, and so what I want to tell you is that um, God's purpose for your life is bigger than your dreams. It's harder than anything you can imagine. It's more fulfilling than anything that you can imagine. And, and, and I just want to let you in on a little secret. We've been, we've been a church for 10 years. This is not Doug's church. It's God's church. If it's my church, if this is Doug's church, then man, we're going we're gonna to die a slow, painful death. You know, we can pretend, you know, we can keep the doors open for 5, 10, 15 years, but we're going to die this slow, painful, irrelevant death. But if this is God's church, God wants to raise up more people to do things in his kingdom, whether that's in Haiti or whether that's here or wherever. God wants to raise up some people so that from now until the time Jesus Christ returns again, this church is making difference in people's lives. So we're going we're gonna to decide today whether we're going to do things God's way and continue um, to influence lives or we're going to choose today whether we don't do things God's way, do things our way, and, and we'll experience frustration. So let me, let me give you a couple of statements. If you're following, if you have a smartphone, we always put this on version. If you go to uh, version.com, you look up, you put in, it'll say search for a live event. You click on that. If you put in 75801 or 802803, new life will come up and you can fill in the blanks there. If not, you've got your listening guide and fill, uh, follow that and you can fill in the blanks. Okay, here's the first point that I want you to get today. <laughs> it's okay, we promise, right? You can't do everything for everybody. First thing is you can't do everything for everyone. 
If you attempt to do that, it will cause you to burn out. Now, I've experienced this. I've tried to be all things to all people, and you can't do that because you'll get frustrated. And and you ask anybody who's back there in the children's area. They work on a regular basis. They're here Sunday after Sunday, and they want to be everything to every child that's back there. But sometimes we have close to 100 children back there. If you're in a classroom and and you've got 20 or 25 kids, is is it humanly possible to be everything to every child in there? That's a yes or no question. Okay, thank you. You're with me. So... Some people try to do that and they get burned out. Or they go to the other extreme. Since I can't do anything, everything for everyone, then I will do, won't do anything for anybody. And that's a cop-out. You see the, the two extremes here? Either I'm going to try to be all things to all people and it's going to wear me out because God never created me to do that. Or because I can't do all things for all people, I'm going to do nothing for anyone. And that's a cop-out because God has designed you to do something for his kingdom. Burning out shortens your ministry and leaves you bitter. I can't tell you, when you go to seminary, when I went to seminary, they, they have this big meeting and they do these psychology tests and they do ask you about your call to ministry, all this stuff. And then they tell you, they tell you, look at each side. I've heard they do this in, in medical school and they do this all over the place. But they said, look from to your right and to your left because the person sitting next to you, one of you will not be in ministry. One of you will not even make it through seminary. And the odds are that less than 25% of those ministers who come out last in ministry until the day they die. So something's wrong with that. I think it's one of these things. Either we try to do too much, we burn out. Or we do nothing, we cop out. So copping out robs others of, of what you have to offer. And it leaves you empty. Well, what does God's word have to say about this? If you uh, have your Bibles or if you're on your version, you can, you can look this up. Listening guides, it's there. Galatians 6, 9. This is today's NIV. Let us not become weary. If, if you have the listening guide, I want you to write burnout above that word. Let us not become weary. The Bible is very, very realistic about what happens in life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And, and give up is the cop-out. So write cop-out uh, by those words. Now... I got to ask you something. How did Paul know? Paul was the person who wrote this um, this letter in the New Testament over two thousand years ago. He wrote this. How did he know that we were either going to burn out or cop out? How did he know? Well, God was showing him. He understood that there is a weariness in doing good. You ask anybody who served in ministry at any time. At some point, you feel like giving up. It's because you have an enemy who whispers in your ear. Nobody cares what you do. Nobody appreciates you. He knows we have this ego that is very fragile. And if people don't pat us on the back, then we get distracted and we say, I'm just going to quit because nobody cares. And we forget that our real audience is God. He knows our egos are fragile. He knows you're easily offended. So what he does is he starts these little fights among people so that you get your eyes off of the goal. You get distracted from what God wants you to do. And some of you will burn out because you're saying, nobody cares, I'm just going to quit. And when you burn out, those people on the other side of the fence who are are questioning whether this kingdom of God is real or whatever, they'll look at you and say, I see, I knew it, I knew it. I knew ministry doesn't pay, so I won't do anything for anyone. They'll cop out. All right, verse 10. Therefore, okay, I heard this years ago and and I thought it was kind of funny at the time, but it's really true. Anytime you see the words therefore in scripture, you need to know what they're there for. 
It, it's based on what has happened before. So he says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, let us not, not give up being good. Let's not burn out, cop out. Therefore, as we have opportunity. All right. Next to that word opportunity, this is the Greek word for time. This is a huge thing that, that we need to really practice in our lives. Therefore, as we have opportunity, as we have time, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of the believers. So here's the key. And this is what I want to free you up to do. As you have time, then you do good to all people, especially to the household of believers. As you have time, you serve in the church. As you have time, you serve in a ministry back there. As you have time, you fix a breakfast. As you have time, you help someone who's, who's suffered through a loss. As you have time, you go see the sick people. As you have time. Now, some of you are like, I don't have any time. Well, okay, if you don't have any time, then you're out of God's will because God designed you to help others. Let me show you this. Earlier in this book, Galatians 6.2 says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, Paul is writing to a church in Galatia, and he's trying to help them grow up. And so he says here, we're supposed to carry each other's burdens. Later he says, everyone should do his own work. If somebody won't work, don't let him eat. And so you're saying, well, what are the opposites? Here's the thing. There are circumstances in life that I'm supposed to carry because God designed me that way. But there are also circumstances in life that happen that are too much for me to bear. Our friends in Haiti cannot bear the burden alone. If we don't go to Mariani, if groups don't go to Mariani week after week, nothing gets done. We were there in October. We were the last group... Um, to, to work on Mariani. And so nothing happened from November, December until mid-January till another group came to Mariani. So this church sits there because they can't possibly do it themselves. The church at Mariani in 2010, January 12, 2010, their church building was destroyed. And so the first year we went and we served there, we couldn't go to church with them because they were meeting in the streets. They had worship in the streets. They'd pull out a couple of speakers. They'd plug them in. They'd have their guitar, and they would just worship. They would encourage everybody to come, but there wasn't any place for us to sit, so we didn't go to church there. Second time we went in 2011, then all kinds of um, uh, things had happened. They had a tent, and they had electricity, and they had all this stuff, so we got to meet there. In fact, let me, let's just go through some of these, these pictures. I want you to see what has happened. First picture there, Jeff... Okay, this is our group in 2010. Um, we got there. We're just outside the church building, and uh, they always take a picture. They put it on the website so that everybody will know that we've arrived. Next picture. This is what happened in 2010. We moved all of these rocks. There were lots of rocks and lots of rocks, and you can see that very little is going on there. It's a very slow process. We, we had bucket lines. We had rock lines. We had all kinds of stuff, and we did some very slow work, and it's pretty... pretty uh, Frustrating at times, wasn't it, Chad? Because it's such slow work. So our money went to help hire Haitian workers. So it puts money in their economy, helps them feed their families. But also our work sped them up. The first time we visited Mariani, it's up on this hill. There was one young man who would walk up to where they were mixing by hand cement. He would get a five-gallon bucket of cement. He would walk down the hill about a 100 yards, pour that one bucket of cement. A guy down there would take his little trowel. He would spread it out. Then this one young man would walk back up the hill, get another bucket of cement, and repeat the process. How long do you think it would take them to build a church doing that? So we get out there the first day, and you know what we do? We form a bucket line, and, and we guess, we don't know, we guess that we maybe advanced the cause about three months in the one week that we were there. 
Because we, somebody said, we should take a conveyor belt to Haiti. And I said, we are the conveyor belt in Haiti. All right? This is the way things go. Okay, next picture. This is our group in 2011, October of 2011. We're actually sitting on a, a, a house further up the hill from where the church at Mariani is. In the background, that blue down at the bottom, that's actually the bay uh, that, that you fly over when you come into Port-au-Prince. It is a gorgeous view. I don't even remember how they got the land, but it had to be God providing the land. So this, this church is now going up. Next picture. So you can see, one year's time, the first floor has been built. We are now standing on the first, on this, what's going to be the second floor. The first floor is a school. And, and this is kind of fun. This is a great picture. Uh, you have the full bucket line and you have the empty bucket line. Which one do you think is more fun? Yeah, because you're just, you're just having a good time. And, and Caleb was having fun, and there's Christy Colander that's catching it. I, I'm assuming she caught that one. I don't know, because we don't have a record of that. No, they were really good. Next picture. This is some of the children's ministry that we did. Now, in October, school is in session. And so what they would do, that first floor, that building that, that Caleb was standing on top of, we poured the, the floor. What's crazy is we poured the concrete floor the next day. The kids are on it. And we poured both floors and, and then they would take, they would take a break from school. They would come down to the tent where the church meets and we would have children's ministry. And there were probably 70, 80, I don't know, 90 kids that were there. Had a great time. We were teaching them a Bible story there. Um, that's actually Chad that Jared is on top of. Chad was the donkey when Jesus, uh, entered into, um, Jerusalem. We had ears. We had a tail. He came in making the donkey sound. The kids absolutely loved it. It was a great little deal. Next time. Next picture. This is our group this year. Now, that mountain in the back, if you've ever heard me talk about Haiti, this is the mountain. And, and for those of you who've been before, when we got there, we had all kinds of trouble getting there because of traffic and some, some issues, just crazy stories. But we got there that night, it was dark. So this is Sunday morning. This is last Sunday morning, and, and this is after church. That hill in the background is my impression of Haiti. I, I sat there Sunday afternoon and I couldn't believe that it had only been nine months, but it had flown by. And that's my memory of Haiti. In my mind, when I think of Haiti, I think of this hill because the sun comes up over it and it's the first thing you see in the morning. It's the last thing you see at night. This is at the church at Cote Plage. Pastor Sampson, who came and preached for us, this is his church. This is where we got to go to church this year. We're actually on the third floor. This is where we eat. Um, that's changed a little bit from some of those of you've gone in the past. One of the goals is they're going to try to cover this uh, next year. They don't have the money to do that, but they're going to try to put a covering up there so that you can eat their rain or shine. It's very hot in the day, and so they need some shade. And, and when it rains, you do not want to be outside because it's monsoon-type stuff. And so they're going to try to cover that up. But you can see the first year we took 12, second year we took 14, this year we took 24, uh, 22, and there's actually 25 in this picture because there's a young lady that was... There was an, a 19-year-old freshman who just came by herself. She just, she'd been on a mission trip before by herself. There were, there were three, uh, I don't remember how old, how old were the twins? 18. So there were three 18 year olds who came from South Carolina. On our trip, we had one individual from New York. We had one individual from South Dakota. We had three 18 year olds who came from, um, South Carolina. We had, uh, nine, was it nine from Colorado? Seven from Colorado. And then we had, um, 25 of us. 20, 24 of us from Texas. Two of my pastor friends and their daughters went with us. So God just keeps expanding our group and we're able to do more and more and more uh, as we go there. Next picture. 
Here, we're actually standing, we're moving cinder blocks onto what is the balcony at Mariani. So you'll see in a second, you'll see the walls, the second floor walls. The walls for the worship center have been finished, but they're building a balcony so that they can seat more people. And we're moving cinder blocks. And, and uh, if you've ever been to Body Pump and, and you do the shoulder track, this was shoulder track. You, they have 15-pound cinder blocks and they have 20-pound cinder blocks. And it doesn't matter whether they're 15 or 20. After about 150 of those going up over your shoulder, it's, your shoulders are burning. Next picture. So there we are passing. They're, they are standing in what will be the worship center. And they're passing the bricks up to the balcony. Next picture. There's our bucket line. Um, (laughs) This was actually a lot of fun, but but our bucket line came down. Normally, we have two lines. we got a full bucket, empty bucket. Well, this one, it pinches down where only one person. That's actually me up there with that yellow thing on the top of my head. Um, Bald-headed people have to do extraordinary things to keep their heads cool in, in the Haitian climate. So... I was at the point, it was actually fun, because I, I got to do full bucket, and I would hand it to a guy who's pouring it over as the empty bucket's coming over, and sometimes, man, it was just flying, it was a blast, we were having a great time, except when somebody got hit, um, which was usually Brandy, because she's standing there next to me, Brandy, uh, love lady, and uh, I, was, I said, we're going to find out how much that, that you trust me in, in this next little bit, and it wasn't very much. Um, but let me tell you something. Now, I don't have a whole lot of memories of everybody because when you take 25 people, you can't, you can't hang out with everybody. I have an, a tremendous amount of respect for Brandy because Brandy worked herself to death. I mean, she... Because what's funny is we had these ladies from Colorado and they are awesome. Let me tell you, they don't complain about anything, but you can tell. Nobody has to tell you when a bucket is heavy because when, when the bucket's coming by and when these two ladies who are very, very small, when the bucket hits them and it goes, you got a pretty good idea that it's heavy and it would go, and then the sister was here and she would lift it up and the next sister, it hits the ground. And then they hand it to Brandy and Brandy's like, I mean, this lady is tough. I'm telling you. And I'd be going, man, that's heavy. And you know, she was laughing at me. Um, we poured, I don't even know how many buckets of dirt trying to build the steps into the worship center. This is part of what we did. And then when the, when the trucks arrived with the bricks, that just was no fun. Do we have one more? This is, uh, some of the kids there's, so we range in age there, the, the Americans from 15 to 17 and some of our Colorado friends, Rachel and, and Caleb are in there. These children come from the neighborhood and they get in the bucket line with you. And, and they just love on you. And it was really cool to get to see some of the kids that we had seen in years before. And, and some of them remember your name and, and you get to play with them. Is that the last one, Jeff? Okay. Um, so here's, here's my point. There were, there were people there from 12 um, to over 60 that were serving. So really, you don't have a whole lot of excuse based on age. Um, you don't have a whole lot of excuse based on your physical um, capabilities because we had two people in our group who have heart conditions, who have pacemakers and defibrillators, who went and served. So, so don't give me, well, I'm out of shape. Well, do something about it. You got 12 months. Um, don't give me, I don't have time. Uh, Randy's a single mom. She left two small ones at home and, and she came and she served. Don't give me, I don't have enough money. Ask Brandy Lovelady how God provides. She was able to come up with a third of it. God provided $1,000 for her to go. Ask my daughter, my 15-year-old daughter, who, who was very... She felt God call her to go. And then after she said yes, she said, I don't know how I'm going to raise 
And I said, well, you're not. If God calls you, he's going to provide. And God taught my daughter a lesson. Because there were people who called me at the end and said, does Rachel have enough? Does Rachel have enough? If she doesn't, I'll cover the difference. And, and she made more than enough. Ask people who have nothing, who said, I feel God called me to go. And then they watch God provide for them to go. If God calls you, he will provide for you. So the, the number one question is, is God calling you to go? And see, um, if you get back to, to what we were talking about, we're supposed to carry each other's burdens. Remember what the scripture says? Carry each other's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. The Haitians cannot do it by themselves. God has called us to do more than we've ever done before. And Paul is saying this. This is on your listening guide. You can't shut it all out. You can't uh, get weary in doing what is good. The second thing is you can't take it all on. That's the next point. You have a limited amount of time. If you go to either extreme, you're going to burn out or you're going to cop out. And you'll be on the sidelines when your Heavenly Father calls you to do something. So, here's the alternative. We don't want to burn out. We don't want to cop out. Here's what I want you to do. And this is what we're going to talk about for 12 months. You're going to hear this phrase over and over. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Do y'all remember being in elementary school and, and, you know... For me, this was either lollipops or gum or stuff that was outlawed at school. But, you know... I remember my teachers teaching me this thing. If you, if you put a piece of gum in your mouth, do y'all remember the teacher say, did you bring enough for everybody? And you're like, no, brought enough for me. And maybe if you were nice, you brought enough for your best friend, right? And so the teacher's like, well, if you don't have enough for everybody, then you can't have that. And, and because we try to teach this thing that life has to be fair. Have you discovered that life isn't fair? Let's say that I have some brownies up here and you all come through and you get brownies and I've got some brownies left over and you come back up and you say, hey, can I have a brownie? And, and I'm like, no, no, if I give you a brownie, I got to give everybody a brownie. Now, if you're like me and you want another brownie and you're standing in line and you see some brownies there and someone says, I can't give you a brownie because then I'm going to have to give everybody else a brownie. You're going to do what I do and you're going to go, no, you don't. You don't have to give everybody else a brownie. Just give me a brownie. Right? You know what I'm talking about. I have one seat left in the theater. If I have to get... No, just give me the ticket. You know, that type of thing. The principle is we cannot do everything for everybody, but we can do something for someone. And so God has helped me over the last couple of years to figure this out. In 2010, I was doing the Experiencing God Bible study when the earthquake hit in, in Haiti. And I asked God, God, do you want me to go? And I felt like God was saying yes. And I said, God, do you want me to take the church? And, and I wasn't real clear on that. And I came to the church. And, and some of y'all remember when I said that. Some of y'all, I had a meeting that day. I said, how many of you would be interested in going to Haiti? And 20 people raised their hands, came forward. And I said, that's a no-brainer. Let's go. So we ended up taking 12. Um, Ricky Baker was one of them that the first day he wanted to come and because of job, because of baby being born, things like that, he didn't get to go the first two trips. He went this year and God provided more than enough for him to go. He actually had more money. So we used his money for other people who didn't have enough money. He got to go. Some of you have been called to go and you've either um, made excuses or the timing hasn't been right. I'm not saying that, that, you know, you're a bad person if you haven't gone. But I think everybody in our church ought to go at least once. Because when, you, when you're laying there, and I'm not going to tell you, there is nothing glamorous about it. 
We did go to the ocean and that was kind of cool. But even then you're praying and maybe this is the whole purpose because you're praying, dear God, get us through these mountains. Because one of my best friends, he's a pastor and his daughter was there and he goes, man, if my wife knew how fast this home dude was driving through these mountains and that there's a rail, there's a rail like this high and you're going about 70 miles an hour around it and you're going, oh, wow. Because if you go over, you're meeting Jesus. I mean, there is no, you know, anyway, he said, my wife would be so mad at you right now if she knew that you had my daughter up here. And I'm like, well, let's pray. And so we're, we're praying that God gets us through. When the first year we went there, we go to Jockmail, we go through the mountains because it's just this incredible drive. When a tire comes off, it rolls down the hill and, and then the Haitian comes running back up with it and they put the flat tire back on. Um, that's the way you do things. Our muffler fell off three times on this trip. We're at the top of the mountain and the muffler falls off and, and the dude gets out with a towel and ties it back on. He didn't slow down. Man, he is coming down the hill. All of a sudden you hear this. And it's come off. When you see Haitian people, now Haitian people have seen it all. But when you see Haitian people going. As the bus goes by and I'm sure sparks are flying. And so we stopped and he did it again. And then one time we stop and he, he goes, somebody said, we need a hanger. And I'm not kidding you. He goes to this guy. These, these Haitians are just looking at our bus because, you know, there's a muffler dragon. And he goes over there and they pull some baling wire up and like, yay, some wire instead of something cloth to stick next to a hot uh, muffler. And, and he goes, no, no. And they're speaking Creole. So we don't have a clue what's going on. Alex jumps out and takes a picture of it. We'll have to show you sometime. Well, then he walks behind this building and comes out with two clothes hangers. And we're like, yay, that's what we need. That's Haitian ingenuity right there. And he wires it back up and we get home and, and it's, it's this great thing. Um, <laughs> I'm not ever going to tell you that it is, a, it is a glamorous trip. In fact, somebody asked me if we would have church today with no air conditioning on. Just, I think it was Ricky. Just, just to show you what it's like down there. Can you imagine? Because people complain. I, no matter what I ask you to write on the back of your cards, if it's hot in here, people are like, turn on the AC. And I'm like, I didn't think of that. <laughs> you know, because they break down, right? And people are like, turn on the AC. It's on. If it's, if it's hot in here, the AC's been on. It just didn't work. And we'll get it fixed. When, when you're laying in bed at night on an air mattress... And you can't sleep because you're in a pool of your own sweat. There's nothing glamorous about that. But I want you to read the comments that people wrote on Facebook. Kyle Cargill said, most amazing week of my life. Shandy pulled me aside at the airport and she said, thank you for allowing me to go. Amazing stuff happens. Why, why does that happen? It's because you're doing for one what you wish you could do for everybody. We can't go, a friend of mine two years ago, right before we went to Haiti, said, dude, you need to go to, to Ethiopia with us. We have all these pastors that we're training. We go twice a year. It's Westwood Baptist Church here in town. And, and Rick Dee's the pastor. And I said, well, I'm going to Haiti and I'm praying that God will show us if we're supposed to have a long-term partnership in Haiti. And so I came back and I'm like, dude, God answered my prayer. We're going to Haiti. Have a great time in Ethiopia. I'll pray for you. If somebody else wants to go to Ethiopia, I'll send them your way. But we are going to Haiti. New Life Community Church, we're going to Haiti. Because God has called us to go. So we're going to do for one what we wish we could do for everyone. But we're not going to sit on the sidelines and, and hope somebody else goes. We're going to say, God, whatever you want us to do, we're going to do that. So what I want to challenge you today is I want you to think about your life, what you need to do. Because many of you 
have wanted to do something and you're not doing anything. There's one small group that you could, you could be attached to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach a group of men. However many men show up, I'm going to teach that group of men. I have a small group. And I'm the type of person, I would like to be in every small group. That's just me. Can't do it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give to one small group this next school year. I'm going to give to one men's group this next school year. Um, I'm, I'm right now, I'm, I'm doing premarital counseling with one couple. That's all I can handle right now. I'm going to do for one what I wish I could do for everybody. And I'm going to allow God to multiply the results. Some of you need to be signed up for small groups. When we, we're going to talk about that in August and we'll start in September. Some of you need to sign up for the men's group. And, and there's all kinds of excuses that are going to fill your mind. And what you need to ask is, God, do you want me to go? Some of you need to go to Haiti next summer. And, and already you're coming up with reasons why you can't go. And you're like, I can't sweat and sleep at the same time. Yeah, you can. By Wednesday, you're so exhausted. You just kind of swim in the sweat, you know, roll over. It just By then, you're just tired and you come home. I, I mean, you can, you can do that. Some of you need to give one Sunday a month to serve back in our children's area. Some of you need to be in the kitchen. Some of you need to be greeting. One Sunday a month, you can do one for new life. You can't do it for every church in town. You can do something for somebody that God's put in your life. You can do for one what you wish you could do for everybody. I have one compassion child. My compassion child is in in Ghana. James has a compassion child in Haiti, and he went to see his compassion child. Second time he's, he's gotten to go. And, and I'm, let me let you in on a little secret. If you want to be wise and, and you want to, to, to have a compassion child in Haiti, and you go visit him, that's smart. I wish I'd have done that, but, but I felt like God had called me to, to, to get this child. So I've got this child. His name uh, is Gilbert. He's in Ghana and hope to go see him someday. But I'm going to do one for one what I wish I could do for everybody. And New Life, our, our adopted country is Haiti. And in my lifetime, in my children's lifetime, in my grandchildren's lifetime, the country will not be rebuilt. I'm telling you that. I want you to watch this video and then we will finish up. Alex did this, did, a, did an incredible job on this video. That's my little buddy there at the end. Um, Joe Adney. He came and found me the first time, the first day, and just big old smile, big old hug. And uh, I'm going to do for him what I wish I could do for everybody. And we're going to do for um, for Haiti what I wish we could do for the world. Take your cards, if you would. And don't draw pictures this week. <laughs> I want to ask you to to respond in one of four ways. I will go to Haiti in, in 2013. If that's you, you write it. I will go. Um, I will pray about going to Haiti in 2013. Um, I will pray for the group who goes in 2013. I will give so someone else can go. In 2013. We're just going to keep going. Because I don't know what else to do. But I know that sitting on the sidelines is not an option. Because I've never seen. I've been in lots of countries. I've never seen a country as poor as this country. Their hope is in God. And they pray that God will send some others. 
to help them. And, and here's what the Bible says with this. I'm going to finish this last verse. Jeff, put that up there. Luke uh, 12, 48. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. You've been given much. So I'm just going to continually challenge you to do for one which you, what you wish you could do for all. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, I pray that um, some lives would be redeemed because we go to Haiti. And I know that you've said nothing done in your name will ever be done in vain. If we give a cool drink of water to a child in Haiti, it's done in your name and you will multiply that. If we go and we spend a week sweating, you will multiply that. And I just believe you're going to raise more people up to go next year. And I pray that, that whatever obstacles are in the way that would keep us from going, you would just wipe those out now. And that you would very clearly speak to the people who are supposed to be there. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're either going June 22nd or July 12th next year. And just because this is who we are, we decided that we're going to go a day early and we're going to South Beach in Miami we spent the night in Miami and we were so close and we got there late. So we're just going to go suffer for the Lord in South Beach before we get on the plane and go to Haiti. So either uh, June, if, and if one of those dates works better for you, let me know. June 22nd or July 12th. One of those we're going to go next year. So be sure and, and put that on your card. Three baskets, joy basket. Yeah, that sucked. I've been in Haiti for a week. Joy basket. Regular attenders, church members, um, we're expected to give, and God loves a cheerful giver. That's why we call it that. So you know what to do that. That's how we take up our offering. Registration cards, if you have prayer concerns, write that on there, and uh, I'll pray over those. And then our bagel basket. We're trying to get out of debt because we believe God has bigger and better things for us in the future. What goes in there goes towards debt. You're dismissed. See you next week.